بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته سورة الأنعام After a succession of Madani surahs, surahs that were revealed after the Prophet ﷺ's hijrah from Mecca to Medina, such as Al-Baqarah, Ali Imran, Al-Nisa, Al-Ma'idah, we now return to a Makki surah, Surah Al-An'am. This surah was revealed before the Prophet ﷺ's hijrah to Medina towards the latter phase of the Meccan phase, and it was revealed in one single night. Ibn Abbas mentioned that it was revealed in a single night with 70,000 angels that descended with the surah, praising and glorifying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in unison. Subhanallah. The central theme of this surah is a powerful and direct call to the tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 30% of this surah, around 49 verses, are directly calling to the Tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, declaring His greatness and declaring that He alone deserves to be worshipped. The main audience for this surah are the pagans of Makkah, the Quraysh. Now the previous surahs have largely been a dialogue with the people of the book, but the audience now switches to the pagans of Quraysh. One thing you will notice in this surah, in the powerful style and atmosphere of the surah, that two words which come up over and over again are qul and huwa. Qul means to say, but not just say, but say in the face of some opposition and disagreement. And huwa means he. This surah is full of descriptions of the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In verse 14, قُلْ أَغَيْرَ اللَّهِ أَتَّخِذُ وَلِيًّا فَاطِرِ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَهُوَ يُطْعِمُ وَلَا يُطْعَمُ قُلْ إِنِّي أُمِرْتُ أَنْ أَكُونَ أَوَّلَ مَنْ أَسْلَمْ وَلَا تَكُونَنَّ مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ Say, is it other than Allah that I should take as a protector, creator of the heavens and the earth, while it is He who feeds and is not fed? Say, indeed, I have been commanded to be the first who submit and do not ever be amongst the polytheists. Now there's an important lesson in this surah. This is the later Meccan phase. This is the point where the Muslims are at the peak of torture and repression. But yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants this, these Muslims who are minority, who are weaker, to be completely confident and to be completely assertive about their faith and about the truth of their religion. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not want the Muslim minority in Mecca to feel sorry for themselves or to have a self-loathing about them or to feel dejected. He wants them to be confident. He wants them to be proactive with their religion. There's an authentic hadith where the Prophet ﷺ was reclining against the Kaaba and one of the companions came over to him and said to him, Will you not seek help for us? Will you not pray for us? The Prophet ﷺ could hear the companions being tortured in the background and this companion almost lost patience and came to the Prophet ﷺ, uh, almost insisting that the Prophet ﷺ make dua for them. He said, ﷺ, Amongst the nations before you, a believing man would be put in a ditch that was dug for him 
and a saw would be put over his head, and he would be cut into two pieces. Yet that would not make him give up his religion in the slightest. His body would be combed with iron combs that would remove his flesh from the bones and nerves. Yet that would not make him abandon his religion in the slightest. By Allah, this religion will prevail till a traveller from Sana'a in Yemen to Hadramaut will fear none but Allah or a wolf as regards his sheep. But you people are hasty. Even when the Prophet ﷺ sensed a hint of frustration or feeling sorry for yourself, the Prophet ﷺ immediately rebuked the companions. The Prophet ﷺ is developing a victorious mentality, a confident mentality, a completely assured identity, even in the most difficult of circumstances. The surah contains live scenes from the Day of Judgment to emphasize the accountability to the Quraysh that what they are doing will not go unpunished, but also to help reassure the believers that justice will be theirs. In verse 73, And it is he who has created the heavens and the earth in truth. And the days he says, and, and, and the day he says, be and it is, his word is the truth. And his is the dominion on the day of the horn being blown. He is the knower of the unseen and the witnessed. And he is the all-wise, the acquainted. Interestingly enough, the Quraysh were not people who were unaware of who Allah is. They in fact used to use the name Allah to refer to the creator of the heavens and the earth. They even dedicated some of their worship and some of their sacrifices to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But by virtue of their associating partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in worship, this invalidated all of their good deeds, and this did not prevent them from persecuting the believers. The surah uses the very powerful example of Ibrahim alayhi salam, who by way of example demonstrates the futility of shirk. Ibrahim is the ancestral forefather of the Arabs, and he was revered amongst the Arabs. So it's a highly symbolic example to use. And the remnants of his religion, Hanifiya, was still present in modern-day Mecca. In verse 79, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows the example of Ibrahim alayhi salam, who by way of example to his people, showed how futile it was to worship the stars, to worship the moon, to worship the sun, until he finally turns to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and says, إِنِّي وَجَّهْتُ وَجْهِيَ لِلَّذِي فَطَرَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضَ حَنِيفًا وَمَا أَنَا مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ Indeed, I have turned my face towards He who created the heavens and the earth, inclining towards truth, and I am not of those who associate partners with Allah. The, the surah also gives us an indication of one of the reasons why the Quraysh, the pagans, rejected the Prophet ﷺ. And it's very similar to the reason why some of the people of the book rejected the Prophet ﷺ. In verse 124, And when a sign comes to them, they say, Never will we believe until we are given the like of that which was given to the messengers of Allah. 
Allah is most knowing of where he places his message. Some of the Quraysh, some of the leaders, some of the elite, they demanded to have revelation like the Prophet ﷺ has revelation. They could not bear the thought of another man being preferred over them. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responded in a completely dismissive way. Allahu a'lamu haythu yaj'alu risalata. Allah knows better where to place his message. These people are not going to dictate to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who he chooses as a prophet and a messenger. So why is this surah called Al-An'am? Al-An'am literally means the cattle which is a reference to camels, cows, sheep and goats. The Arabs used to consider Al-An'am a symbol of wealth. You see in those days there were no banks and the way you invested your wealth and your money and enabled it to grow was by investing in cattle that would reproduce and increase. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is also highlighting their falsehood that they know and recognize that Allah is the creator and the provider of these cattle. He sends down the rain, he creates them, he provides for them. Yet they deny his right to instruct how and for who these cattle are to be slaughtered and how their meat is to be used. The Quraysh had a complex system of slaughtering animals for other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then according to the type of animal, who was allowed to eat it and who was not allowed to eat it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala simply brushed all of this aside. In verse 145, Say, I do not find within that which was revealed to me anything forbidden to one who would eat it unless it be a dead animal or blood spilled out, or the flesh of swine, for indeed it is impure, or it be that it slaughtered in disobedience to other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But whoever is forced by necessity, neither desiring nor transgressing limits, then indeed your Lord is forgiving, most merciful. This first clarifies the main categories of haram flesh, besides which all else is permissible. And this is an important reminder not to be hasty and start to claim this type of food is haram and that type of food is haram without sure and correct evidence. On a personal level, if a person wants to be safe, that's another matter. But as for declaring certain meat or certain types of food haram without due evidence, then you will be imitating the pagans of Quraysh and it's something that you have to be very wary of. Towards the end of the surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala explains what is the true realization of Tawheed. قُلْ إِنَّ صَلَاتِي وَنُسُكِي وَمَحْيَايَ وَمَمَاتِ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ Say indeed my prayer, my rights of sacrifice, my living and my dying are for Allah, Lord of the worlds. Also in this surah, in verse 151 to 153, you find the realization of the Ten Commandments. The scholars of Tasir consider this verse a verse which is comparable to the Ten Commandments. In this verse, you will find the uh, instruction not to associate others in worship with Allah, to show kindness towards parents, to not kill your children because of poverty, 
Not to commit murder, not to commit shameful deeds either openly or secretly, not to touch the orphan's property, to give full weight and measure, to speak justly even if it concerns a close relative, to fulfill your agreement with Allah. And that is the straight path. Hada wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.